mistake. <laughs> I, I hit record. That would have been good, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that that might have helped. <laughs> go again it'd be good this time second time right yep. <laughs> well so i'm joined by nathan dickerson today it's me sue parker on the lifestyle entrepreneur show nathan perhaps explain to our listeners what we're doing today okay so what we're doing today is kind of a collab between the two of our shows where we're neither one of us is really interviewing the other one we're having a discussion with each other and then both episodes are going to air on each of our shows and we're just going to talk about success and improving and our different stories. Yeah, so we've obviously got different perspectives. You can tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. And Nathan, whereabouts in the US are you from? Uh, so I am from pretty much the middle of the US. I grew up in Oklahoma, which is just above Texas. And then right now I live in a state called Utah. Oh, that's lovely. And so... Yeah, I really like it. And then what part of the UK are you from? So I'm near Cheshire or near Manchester. Most people know Manchester or at least the football team at the very least. Yeah. So we couldn't be further apart, but I kind of came across your podcast because I was, you know, I've been researching success and building my entrepreneurial business and trying to understand what is it that makes some people get succeed and what is it that, that you know, we struggle with. And you and I seem to have um, very similar literature on our bookshelf. So I'm thinking of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, Jack Cranfield, things like that. So we're both kind of trying to get into the same sort of area. And I also know that you talk a lot about financial freedom. And that's one of the big driving goals of the Lifestyle Entrepreneur podcast, too. So perhaps maybe tell us a little bit more about, about what you're working on at the moment. Uh, so um, what I'm working on at the moment actually has very little to do with the subject that both of our we have a niche in. Uh, my main big project right now is I'm working on something called the Zion Home. Mm, and I've it is it. a self-reliant homestead design uh, to basically make it so that way your house produces all of your needs. Because like you just mentioned, I really like talking about financial freedom. And it's a whole lot easier to meet financial freedom if you're not having a $2,000 mortgage and spending hundreds of dollars at the grocery store every month. So that's kind of what my big project is right now. What about you? What is a big project you're working on? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And, and I love that. Can I just say, I absolutely love that. You should definitely check out, I've got an episode of um, Dan and Flea who created a straw bale house in France with a similar sort of objective to what you're talking about there. And I do, I do think it is related to financial freedom because ultimately our property, the home we live in is probably the biggest outgoing most of us have. Um, so thank you for that. Yeah. In terms of me, so I've recently had a new baby. So the big, big push for me is still being able to scale my business and continue with the podcast 
whilst bringing up a newborn baby. So a large part of this means trying to dial up and dial down the business side of things, which is creating sales funnels, websites for people, digital courses for people and helping them with that. But at the same time, taking on new members of the team so that I can step back a little bit more and have mm-hmm. some more freedom. We're also um, in the process of doing our first buy-to-let property investment, which is sounds kind of scary now I'm saying it out loud. Um, but we've been investing in our own property for a while. So similar to, you know, your your journey in that, how do we figure out how to create more independence and financial freedom? And I'm also thinking about how do I create more passive income that means mm-hmm. I can spend more time with my family and, and have that level of security as well. So, so Nathan, how did you how do you start out with doing the podcast and sort of researching success? And what how did you get into that? OK, so how I got started into researching success, I I was a very talented high schooler. I never had to try in high school. I was the kid. I was cursed with intellect is how I like to phrase it. I never had any hardworking muscle throughout all of high school because why bother? I get 100 on the test every single time. Uh, and then I turned 18 and had to enter into the workforce. And mm-hmm. I quickly discovered that I did not like it. <laughs> um, in fact, I actually was on the... I was borderline suicidal for about six months after my first job because I, the job was by far the worst job you could ever have. Like every job I've ha- had ever since has seemed easy compared to that job. But it was a rude awakening. I was like, um, I'm not interested in doing this for 40 years. And I'd already had a little bit of an entrepreneurial spirit, but it had kind of gotten suppressed over the years Mm -hmm. and I vaguely remembered somewhere somebody talking about it was Les Brown but I didn't remember at the time talking about how a successful person reads a book a week Mm -hmm. and I was like well I want to not have to take forever to get there so for the first couple of years of me being an adult I read 300 books a year it was a lot. It was wow. about a book a day. You not audiobooks, you read or did you audiobook? Well, it was it was it was a combination of yeah. reading and audiobooks. Um, one of the things I like to talk about on my show is uh get a job where you can listen to stuff yes. because you can get paid to be educated. To Absolutely. Yeah. So I did that and then I started um a marketing agency and I did that for a little while. But quickly figured out I didn't quite like doing the marketing agency. Because I studied marketing, so I wouldn't have to do sales. And then marketing agency is all about selling clients. I was like, well, I don't like this one too much. But I started the podcast as a marketing outreach for my agency. And then I eventually COVID happened and I eventually shut the doors on the marketing agency. But the podcast was still doing good. And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I actually enjoy this. So I've been um, going really hard on the podcast for four years now. Wow. So I've got to ask because our listeners will be definitely thinking, what was the what was the job that was the worst job? Okay, so it was a factory job. Um, We were making plastic film wrap that goes around the um, pallets that everything is shipped on. And that's what that factory produced. But it was a really rundown factory. It was a 12 hour rotational swing shift, which means you worked 12 hours. Two days on, two days off, two days on, two days off. And every month, 
you went from days to nights. And because the factory was run down, I actually was doing most of the machine's job for them. Like the the machine was supposed to fold the boxes and tape the boxes. I was folding and taping the boxes. So having to move the stuff along the conveyor belt because the conveyor belt wasn't working. So it was 12 hours of sprinting around and then every month having to completely shift up my sleep schedule. So that one was a brutal job. Mm. No, it doesn't sound very appealing. It doesn't sound very appealing at all. And then just shifting back gears to the podcast again. So you built it up over the last four years, which well done. Congratulations. So um, what's your listenership like now? Um, I'm usually floating around the 10,000 range is what I've noticed over the last uh, few months. It was a lot lower than that before that. But um, over the last couple of months, it's been around the 10,000 people range. And that's been pretty cool. I, that's a lot of people listening it to is. some guy talk at his wall for <laughs> uh, an extended period of time. No, congratulations. That's really fantastic. So on that journey then from going from being the factory worker to just, you know, doing the marketing agency and now having the successful podcast, what, tell me one of the things you've learned that you would, you would give our listeners. One of the things I've learned, uh, tenacity. Mm. tenacity is really important um that is one thing i was given a abundance of as a gift was being able to endure and uh make things work even if for an extended period of time it seems like they're not working i have found that people give up too soon mm. uh and i'm guilty of it too i i give up way too soon on a lot of things uh but the successful business, the successful relationship doesn't happen within a few couple of months. It doesn't even necessarily happen within a couple of years. I'm on the fourth year of my podcast and it's just barely getting to the point where it would be considered a successful podcast. And I'm four years in. Uh, and so it's it takes time and you have to be willing to put in that time even when things don't appear to be working and when everyone is telling you to give up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some really sound advice. I probably, if I, if I might share a story from myself yeah, and, and my career days. So yeah. similar to you, I, I left, I left college and need to get a job. Um, I believe there's a lot of conditioning there. The traditional route is the only way to go. So career ladder was just the only thing I saw. I didn't see that I could start my own business. It just wasn't around me. Everybody was channeling themselves through university and college to get a job. And, you know, I, I got actually on a decent career. I ended up in, in finance and I ended up in tech in the end as a woman in tech. Um, so I can't say it was a really bad job, but if anything, the fact that it was so comfortable and easy and I got a regular salary meant I stayed in it for a lot longer than I perhaps should have done because now reflecting back, I didn't use that as an opportunity to, like you say, listen and learn, or it didn't give me the necessity to do something else. So, you know, I kind of had a bit, a bit of a different experience in that I was too comfortable with the salary mm -hmm. from the job and progressing through a corporate career. And everybody was, you know, patting me on the back and saying, you're doing really well, Sue. You know, this is a good job. You're in, you're in tech now. This is, you know, there's always going to be a job for you. And yeah. to a certain degree, being too comfortable has meant it's taken me until, well, I'm 40 this year before I've gone, no, I want, I want to do this. This is what I'm passionate about. And, 
I'm going to break away from what is like the norm for everybody I know and, you know, my parents and aunties and uncles and what they all expect of me. And I'm, I'm curious, are you surrounded by entrepreneurs? Uh, I am now. So um, my mom was a self-employed person. It's So I define entrepreneur a little bit different than necessarily everyone else. A entrepreneur is somebody who's looking to build a business. A self-employed entrepreneur is somebody who has a job, they do their job, and they just happen to not have a boss. Yeah. Um, so my mom growing up was always self-employed. She's a massage therapist, so she's uh, books clients and has her own office and that kind of stuff. Um, but she never was really a businessy person. Um, and then that was about it. I didn't really have any entrepreneurial mentors or any of that. My pure, uh, entrepreneurial mentorship was purely books and listening to speakers, but I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs now because I've kind of indoctrinated all of my siblings and so now my uh, older sister, she has her own business. My younger brother, he's starting his own business. And so I have entrepreneurs in my life now, but that's because of me, not the other way around. I love that. You've inspired your sibling. I love that. I absolutely love it. And I only hope that I do that. I, I definitely talk to my son about it a lot. He he has this book and one of the pages in the book is you choose and it's you choose what job you're going to do when you're older. And he always looked at this page and went, I'm not doing a job. And at first we were a little bit like, oh, but you have to do something. And now we just go, nope, you're right. You're not going to do a job. What What are you going to create? What is going to yeah. be your purpose? What are you going to do that you love, that you're passionate about, that you're going to put out in the world? And and that's the conversation we have, which which is a lot more about what is your definition of success and happiness and how are you going to build a happy and healthy life for yourself? Which I think is far more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, success isn't just, financial success. If you're miserable in a Lamborghini, you're still miserable. Absolutely. Uh, and that's for your people who listen on your show. Um, one of the things I talk about on my show is I talk about the four attributes of success. Finance is only one of them. Mm -hmm. There's health, there's uh, relationships, and that's kind of what I'm covering in depth on this season. And then there's uh, fulfillment. I originally called it the attribute of happiness, but having a fulfilling, happy life is the most important attribute of success. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I noticed that you said at the beginning, when you were trying to surround yourself with entrepreneurs, you kind of did it artificially. And I think many of us do that. I, I certainly am a massive advocate to say, when you find a role model, listen to them, get on their podcast, listen to their books, whatever it is that artificially gives you that peer group that you need to get that mm -hmm. momentum going before you start to you know, network and meet real people in out in the world that are doing the same things that you're doing. Yeah. And here's the cool thing. It feels weird for us to say it, but you're mentoring to all of your listeners and I'm mentoring to all of my listeners. And I'm like, I'm just some kid who didn't like having a job, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so and it's kind of cool that I'm obsessed we... about success and becoming an yeah. entrepreneur. So <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think you're qualified. <laughs> you're qualified. Um, uh -oh. And I guess that goes back to your point about tenacity is it's half of it is about just having that action orientated approach. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of people sit and wish and think and dream, oh, it'd be nice to live here. It'd be nice to have this. It'd be nice to be able to do X. 
and in my case it was always about breaking away from the nine to five and having more time to travel more freedom and not having that because I was using it as an excuse but the reality is it's saying no you can have these things and this is how you can have these things Mm -hmm. yeah taking action is so important um and if you're not it it takes hard work to uh, escape the nine to five. It takes a lot of work that like people, a lot of people start into business and investing in passive income because they think it's a way to get out of working hard. No, you're going to work your face off for years, but the, but unlike the nine to five where you're sold a 40 year plan, like, okay, you're going to work and be miserable for 40 years and then maybe at the end of the road if everything turns out fantastically you might have a little free time um when you're investing in real estate or building a business or a podcast or whatever it is you still have to work the nine to five in the meantime until it's built and in addition you have to do all of this extra work and it's not easy work it's hard work because you don't have a boss breathing down your neck you have to be self-disciplined and motivated and to actually take that action yourself, even when you're tired. Yeah, yeah. You you picked up on something there. One of my masterminders asked me earlier on this week, you know, they've got a side hustle, but they're struggling to get motivated. You know, they, they come home from work and they're more interested in sitting in front of Netflix. And at the minute, they're planning to get married and have children. And I'm sort of saying, do you know what? From experience, I know that now you have more time than you're going to have when you're married and got children. So mm-hmm. put, put in the legwork now. And in, in five years time, your future self will really thank you for it. And he yeah. said to me, but how do you do that? When you've been to work all day, just how do you really get motivated to say, I'll do this? And I'll get, I'm curious, what, what would you say to that? Well, it kind of goes back to your story of your job was too comfortable. My job is easy. I have an easy job right now. Um, And it's real easy to fall back into the comfort zone of, well, life's not that bad. And there's a quote I, I like, and it's the enemy of the great is the good. If you're comfortable, if you don't have that driving force of having the worst job ever as your first job, then it's really easy not to be motivated. It's really easy to come home and be like, I think I'm going to watch some Netflix. But to actually answer answer your question, how I do it is I just remember that, like you already talked about, I'm single right now. Now is the time that I have to build what I want Because once I get married, once I have a kid, all of that free time becomes much, much less. And so anytime that I, like I've been dying to watch Pirates of the Caribbean for months now, but I keep telling myself, no, I can watch that once I have a girlfriend. When we're going to go and have a movie night and cuddle, I'll watch Pirates of the Caribbean. (laughs) Right now, I have a podcast to produce and I need to acquire more money, more things accomplished. I have a lot of things on my plate this year. I've overbooked myself a lot this year, but uh, I'm going to try and get as much done as I possibly can in the meantime, because I know that this window of opportunity is closing. And so I come home, I might try and take a 20 minute military power nap where you just lie on the ground and have your feet in the air. It's just a, you're not actually napping, you're just resting 
Okay. And then I'm like, all right, I only have a couple of hours to get stuff done before it's time for bed. So let's get to work. And so it's just having those future dreams, having the priorities strong enough that even though you're tired today, you can still do it. And so it's just, it's discipline. You have to develop discipline and it's a skill that you have to develop over time. I was super lazy in high school. We already talked about that. I was not anywhere close to as disciplined as I am now back then. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I believe there's a, there's a certain element of how bad do you want it? You know, when you envisage that goal and then you say, well, what's it going to take to get there? And you figure that out. And then it's asking yourself, honestly, am I prepared to do what it takes? Do I really want it? How bad do I want it? And I think when people realize what it takes, they then reevaluate whether they really want it. And that can be the same with anything that you're Mm -hmm. working towards. You know, it can be, you know, you're wanting a six pack and then not realizing how much you're going to be in the gym. Um, It's exactly the same when it comes to building a business. Most people don't realize what it takes, but when they realize whether they're that passionate about it, whether they want it that much, it's then saying, okay, I really want it. And then reminding yourself every night when you get home from work and you've got that, that two or three hour window to do something or sit in front of the TV, it's reminding yourself, okay, how bad do I want it? Do I still want it? Right. Keep going. And, and, and it's getting that momentum. But like you say, mm-hmm. you know, for, for years, you might not see any moment, any traction, any mm-hmm. sort of return investment. You've, you've got to make that judgment call and that's tough. Mm-hmm. And going back to the, how bad you want it. It's not just how bad do you want this business to succeed? It's how bad do you want to spend more time with your kids? How mm-hmm. bad do you want to go travel? Um, yeah. I was trying to list the ones that you listed, but how bad do you want to be able to do the things that you want to do? Are you willing to put in the work on this to make this successful? And this is your vehicle that you're building to be able to make it possible for you to do all of your other dreams as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, my perspective is quite different because I didn't I didn't start doing this until I had kids. And it was actually the kids that triggered me having my son initially and then realizing that I couldn't do my corporate job. I couldn't do a professional role part time. They didn't want that. And having Mm -hmm. that maternal sort of pull to be with my son and feel guilty about going back to work. But at the same time, knowing that I got to do something I'm wanting to, wanting to for myself. You know, I was never going to be a stay-at-home mum. I always had, you know, I always had that, I've got this unspent potential. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I want to do something meaningful and purposeful with my life. So for me, it's about still balancing that. So I will do a lot of stuff when they're at school. I'll do a lot of stuff in the evenings when they've gone to sleep. So right now it's 9 p.m. My kids are in bed. You're, You're in the U.S. So actually time zone, this worked really well. And it's then mm. balancing how much childcare I want. But I'm I'm doing it with a view that when I build this right as an entrepreneur, which means unlike my job, which you said was being self-employed was your mum, which basically meant she she worked, time for money exchange, and she basically mm-hmm. salaried herself. She just had to do the yeah. marketing and the finance bookkeeping now all of a sudden. 
yeah. um, as opposed to having a boss that did it. But she could choose when she would. I don't want to do that. I don't want to exchange time for money. So for me, it's about my content serving as many people as possible and leveraging the, the, the other income streams that you can. So for me, it's about building something that is going to mean over the next five years, there is greater and greater independence from me being in front of a camera or from me being one-to-one with a client or something. And I think just by having having an eye on that goal, it's really helped me to sort of go, no, I'm doing it for them. So there might be a bit of mum guilt when I say, hey guys, I'm going in the office now. You're with dad for a couple of hours or you're with Nana for a few hours. You know, I'm like, okay, but that's great. I do this. I feel good that I'm progressing and I'm working towards something that means something and is going to help us in our future. And then I come out and I just have quality time invested with them. Where I'm like, right, that was my kid time. Now is, you know, our quality time to spend together playing games or outside or going for the walks or whatever. And yeah. and I think, yeah, it's just that different balance. But if I was like you, then I'd be all in and I'd just be like, yeah, I'm just going to nail this while I'm in, while I'm young, while I'm in my 20s. Yep. Well, um, and actually, you, I don't know if you have heard this phrase, but you were talking about gray time. So mm-hmm. uh, you have gray time and go time. Gray time is where you're with the person, but you're not doing stuff with them yeah. um a prime example of great time is you're sitting next to your spouse you're both on your phone and you haven't talked to each other in over an hour and how is, many people are sat there doing that now yeah take that great time be productive with it and then have some go time where you're actually focused on the other person yeah. and so I, I, you were talking about that and i was like that's actually a principle that i talk about yeah um and then you were talking about something just before that that I had to comment on as well, but I'm spacing on what you had just said. No problems. Oh, well. <laughs> For me, it's all about being present. You know, if I'm going to do something, I kind of compartmentalize my time. And so long as I'm getting stuff done, that's, you know, mm. the, the needle movers, I feel good. It's when mm-hmm. I don't, when you don't get that stuff done, you feel guilty. Then you're with your family and you're still guilting about the thing you said you'd do and you should have done and that you know you need to progress on. That's the challenging. And I think that's where this self-discipline and time blocking can really help. You know, you talked about self-discipline and, and doing some yeah. things. Uh, wh- I mean, what's what's your routine? How do you do it, Nathan? How, you haven't got a boss. There's nobody. You said you're lazy. How how do you have this 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 daily routine? How do you manage it? Um. So your routine has to adapt as different things come up. Um. When I was living in Colorado, which is a different state, uh, my routine was I would get up about five o'clock and write because I was writing uh, a book at the time. And then I'd finish writing and go to work. And then I'd come home. And when you're physically tired, it's a whole lot harder to mentally write something. So I knew that I wouldn't be able to work on it afterwards. So I'd get up early, write, go to work, and then I'd come home and I would be lazy. I'd allow myself to be lazy. Um, with my current schedule set up, I am spending a lot of time talking, talking you can do when you're tired. And so, and because I'm also single and I'm in a college town, I moved to Utah to find a wife eventually, uh, college kids don't go to bed at a decent time. So my current schedule has adapted to that. I get up five minutes before I need to be at work. And then I go to work, I do my thing, and then I come home, I rest for a little bit, 
and then I do some work and then I go out and party and then I repeat. So by adapting your schedule to actually fit what you're trying to accomplish, and like you talked about with your kids, you do some work in between when the kids aren't around and or are in bed. So by making, don't be a tyrant to yourself. If you're tired, take a nap. Um, it's a whole lot easier to get work done when you have the energy to do it. So take care of yourself, take care of your health, and then you're able to perform and just keep in mind that your schedule will fluctuate. And so you block out your times when it's appropriate. What about you? How do you manage it? Yeah, again, I would say adaptability and flexibility is really key. So I know people who who believe you have to have a fixed morning routine and you have to do certain things at the same time every single day. Here's what I would say. As a mum of three, that's not possible. There's always one that might be ill. <laughs> There's always a child that might wake up in the night, which means you haven't had a decent night's sleep. I have a 15-month-old at the moment, which means I'm up three times in the night. But what I've learned is I know I'm a morning person. So here's the other thing. You've got to know when when you have your peak energy, um, which time of day suits you best. Sounds like you're quite a night owl or you've become a night owl by definition. Temporarily a night owl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm completely useless in the evening. So I need to make sure that whatever I'm doing, if I'm recording content, it's got to be done really in the morning. Obviously, we're doing a late night one here because of the time difference. But I, I have to make sure I'm in a good zone. I have to make sure I have either a walk or some sort of break in the middle. It, it can be a nap. It can be a meditation if I'm if I'm feeling in that zone. Or for me, it could just be a walk, to be honest. In a, in We have a woodland area behind us and I'll just take, take little Luca out in the pram for a walk. And that really gets me calmed down. Then in the evening, so I, I then focus on the kids and admin and masterminds we tend to do in the afternoon. But in the evening, because I know I've got lower energy levels, that's when I'll just do my my blog or I will just do the admin or clear my emails or reach out to podcasters and other guests and things because I can do that without having to be energetic and on the camera and talking to people. And that really works for me. But it might mean that I have a schedule where a couple of nights a week I do that, but sometimes, you know, there's a kid's thing that pops up and that's always been my priority. So no planning in advance as much as possible my calendar but also being flexible and knowing almost somebody said that it was surrendering to it so I was saying that I was I struggled to get on the podcast for a couple of weeks because I got out of the rhythm and a lot was going on at home and they said you just need to surrender to what's happening and trust that everything is still working out for you instead of resisting what's going on be more flexible to it and I guess it's like that Chinese philosophy that you know, you're, you're flowing like with the river as opposed to mm -hmm. going against the against the, the current, which sometimes we can do when we're like, no, I must must do this now. I always do this now. And we become so rigid that when it doesn't work out, we, we feel victims. We're like, oh, the world is against me. Nothing's ever going right. When the reality is it's not. It's, it's happening for a reason. It's happening to teach us resilience, if nothing else. And it's happening. I, I, I always think of it as testing me to you know how committed are you Sue are you still going to get this done even though you said you do it at this time and something's cropped up well yeah we are we'll figure out a way we always find a way yeah yeah I'm glad you mentioned the river because I was about to talk about that um and it's also useful to know that every once in a while life will throw a, a storm on your parade you have to so uh I do my podcast 
the bulk of the work on my podcast this time of year and in, in January and February, because I know during the summer, I have a lot of stuff going on. And I know my time to work on the podcast is over by October, because just too much stuff is going on in November and December for me to uh, ex to at all reasonably expect myself to stay disciplined and to get the things done. So the end of my season of time to work on the podcast ends in October. The season goes on for another two months, which means I have all that time throughout the rest of the year to build up that buffer because I know I'm not going to be able to work on it because the river is going to get a little turbulent at that time. There's too many holidays and too many family events for me to be like, all right, great seeing you guys. I'm glad you flew all the way out here. I'm going to go lock myself in my basement for a couple of hours. See you later. <laughs> so you just have to remember that life will throw things at you. So do the best you can now. So that way, when something happens, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I, I, I like that. about you talked about seasons. And I do think that life comes in seasons. There's different stages where you're, do, you're doing different things. Like now for me, it's the newborn. For you, you've got the build that you've got yep. going on. So, you know, all these seasons come and, you know, you've somehow still got to mold your direction around that and just know that this too will end and they'll be on to another season and in five years time I keep saying it in five and ten years time are you going to look back and be glad you made this effort you did this work and you made it work or are you going to look back in regret that you gave up too soon as we talked about both of us have done in various at various stages so yep. Nathan um on our journeys then let's let's summarize if we were to say that the key lessons that we've both learned in building our businesses to, to now that we would give to any new entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, people who want to build that level of financial freedom. How would you how would you summarize the lessons that you've learned? Well, I would say the most important lesson is that you don't know anything and that your job is to get punched in the face. So you're going to start your business and you're going to and even if you spent years preparing for it, you're going to start your business and then quickly figure out you missed some pretty major things and you're going to get punched in the face. So your job is to hurry that up. The faster that you can fall flat on your face and mess up and screw up everything that you were trying to do that you've been working on for years, the faster you do that instead of taking years to do it, the faster you do it, the faster that you can get over that first stage because there's no way to avoid it. So you are going to have to get punched in the face if you want to be successful. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely a few, a few, <laughs> a few times. And, and I guess it's it's not giving up when that does happen. Recognizing that that's part of the process. Just love it. Yep. Yeah. Tenacity. You have to yeah. be able to pick yourself back up. I'm an excellent motivational speaker. I talk about <laughs> all sorts of lovely stuff, like getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What what lesson would you say is your biggest summary? Yeah, I would say just start. And when you start, keep going. So here's the thing. What many of us do is we think about it, we dream about it, we research, we take a course, then we take another course, we take another one, we think about our ideas, we talk to somebody who gives us, maybe one person gives us a doubting face about whether it's going to work. And we take that on board, we ignore our intuition, and we decide, okay, 
yeah, it's not going to work. And we never even start. And then we get another idea and we do the same thing all over again. We take another course. We have a look at some other people that are doing it. We realize there's other people selling stuff that's like the stuff we want to sell or giving talks or podcasts or YouTube videos about the same kind of content that we want to put out there. And then we tell ourselves, no, we can't because there's too much competition. But nobody ever looked on a high street and said, there's too many hairdressers. I'm not going to open one. You know, there's always another one. There's room for another cafe. So here's what I'd say is, Instead of talking about it, thinking about it, researching it, start. And like Nathan says, get things wrong. You'll be okay, but keep going. Don't just think I'll give it a go for a couple of months and then give in. You've really got to go at it long term and know that you are going to build self-awareness and you are going to have to learn a lot of stuff about yourself, about the way you show up. And you're going to have to start to believe in yourself because Ultimately, you can start and you can be doing all the right things, putting all the right things in motion. But if you've got your foot on the brake and your foot on the gas at the same time, it's not going to work. I think Jack Cranfield talks about this. You have a handbrake on, but you're doing all the right things. And it's this idea that you don't believe in your own success and you're putting that energy out there and people are picking up on that. And that's incredibly important as well. Yeah, yeah, that, that is important. And you actually made me think of something I haven't talked about in a long time. When I started my podcast, there's a season zero that doesn't exist. It's only on my computer. Yeah. Where I recorded the whole first season because I'd been procrastinating starting the podcast. I didn't want to start the podcast until I had everything perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't start because I was afraid of it being terrible. Yeah. So one workaround I did to make myself just start was I purposely recorded a season zero that I knew would never air because I knew it would be trash. And I knew that if I just started, I would start to improve. And you're not going to get anywhere until you start. Yeah. Yeah, that is really sound, sound advice. Yeah, I must confess, there are a lot of YouTube videos sat on my laptop that have never made it to YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many entrepreneurs could say that. I bet every content creator is exactly the same. Every single one. Shall shall we end with a book recommendation? Yeah. uh, I would recommend my favorite book for any entrepreneur that's wanting to get started is the four-hour work week Ah, that's that's the one that kind of sparks it sells you on the idea of the four-hour work week right there Tim (laughs) Ferriss yeah that's a good one yeah that's that's the that is a great book to start and ignite a entrepreneurial spark you are going to have to work a lot more than four hours the four hours is the end goal but it's a great way to kind of shape your framework of all of your ventures going forward so that would be my book recommendation what about you absolutely so i love and refer to a lot atomic habits by james clear that's a good one too and the reason is if you know if you haven't got good habits you know what did warren buffett basically said you you are a combination of all your habits you know that's who you are it makes who you are and i think for a lot of people trying to create new habits, which means you get in front of the laptop or you get in front of a client or, you know, you put some content out there is really hard. And I just like the really practical, tactical, these are the things you've got to overcome to set yourself up for success. And little things like 
you know, I wouldn't record a podcast because it was inconvenient because I had to make my setup every time. You know, now I just have a desk set up with it all, all there. There's no excuses, Sue, to say it's going to take you 20 minutes to set up today. It's there. Little things like having a reward, having a ritual that gets you into the zone and that then becomes part of your habitual routine, which means you get started. So I love Atomic Habits. It's simple, effective. It's a good book. I like that one a lot. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you, Nathan, about our, our journeys. And I'm definitely going to look out for the Zion project um, as, you're, as you're building it on Instagram. So perhaps if we make sure we put the show notes, um, the links in the show notes for how to connect. But if, if there's one platform that you would like people to connect with you on, what would it be? The one platform I would like people to connect with me on is Instagram. I do uh, different things on different platforms. Instagram is kind of my com community hub for all of my different ventures of like, it's the easiest for people to message me like, hey, I really like your podcast. Hey, I really like your Zion Home Project. Hey, I really like this. Hey, would you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, great. So if people want to reach out to me on Instagram, that's my favorite place to be contacted. And it's just Nathan Dick at Nathan Dickinson on Instagram. What about you, Sue? Fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram, TikTok and LinkedIn. And it's I am Sue Parker is my handle. And I'll pop a link over to you. All right. Sounds good. Fantastic. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, folks. Bye.